This episode is brought to you by Light Sources Incorporated, your global UVC lighting solutions partner. More on Light Sources Incorporated later in the show. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Wavelength Podcast, the podcast where we talk about worldwide news, latest technology, and all things relating to UV and how it can be used to better our world. I'm your co-host, Molly McManus. I'm the Client Solutions Director at Intuitech Technologies, as well as the co-chair of the IUVA Young Professionals Committee. And I'm actually joined today by my fellow co-chair, Dan Spicer. Dan, say hi. Hey, Molly. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Uh, Dan is the Sales and Marketing Director at LightSource, so we're very happy to have him with us today. All right, Dan, what's going on today? Great. Thanks, Molly. Uh, so this uh, episode of Wavelength Podcast, we'll be talking to Dr. Uh, Tatiana Kuchma, who is a research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, where her areas of uh, focus of research are on emerging food uh, processing technologies, uh, and she has uh, extensively studied ultraviolet light and how it can be used to extend food shelf life, improve food quality, and enhance food safety. She's advised national and international governments, as well as corporate stakeholders, on how and where ultraviolet light technology can be used and deployed in agricultural applications. With that, I want to thank you, uh, thank you uh, Dr. Dr. Kuchma, for coming on the show and being our guest. Thank you very much, uh, Molly. Thank you very much, Dan, for the invitation to participate in this podcast. And also, uh, thank you for the interest in um, food and beverages area, because I think this is a um, latest uh, like <laughs> area that started to apply uh, UV technology for the variety of different applications. Thank you very much. So I'm excited and uh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I had a, I had kind of a brief introduction uh, about your background. Do you want to give a bit more elaboration on your uh, research interests and background for us before we get into the uh, questions? Um, you know, uh, I think um, yes. My main interest is an application on novel uh, technologies, mainly non-thermal technologies, because we try not to harm uh, quality of foods and use non-thermal treatment and UV technology is one of these technologies that we are working uh, for different food processing and uh, food safety applications in our research. And um, yes, and we are actually uh, as a part of a government agency. We are working at um, generation of new knowledge to facilitate uh, their applications and uh, in, in the industry and approval by government agencies. Tatiana, if you don't mind me calling you that, um, how did you get into the industry in the first place? How did you fall into the UV industry? Um, actually, you know, uh, like I said, uh, UV application in food and average beverage is the youngest, you know, I think, uh, you know, among the application and it started, uh, uh, it attracted an interest of the industry and the researchers in, in the end of um, like in nineties and in the beginning of the like in, in two thousand somewhere, uh, you know, in this time. So and in in year two thousand, FDA um, approved uh, application of UV for um, improving safety of 
juices and beverages. And at the time I was working with Illinois Institute of uh, Technology and we collaborated with FDA and FDA actually uh, uh, funded the research to learn more about the technology. And um, because this was absolutely new area. So, and I was a new professor at IT. So, you know, nobody wanted this. So, and I had some background in microwave energy. So they said, that they thought that this is the same. So I was okay, you know, I will be the one who will be generating this data. Yes. And uh, at the time, you know, they brought me to the pilot land and gave me <laughs> two units. One of them was side assured. Another one was aquionics <laughs> for water treatment. And this is how I started. <laughs> so you basically took over things that no one else thought were worthwhile with being to. But, <laughs> but obviously it's, it's panned out pretty well for you, hasn't it? Yes. <laughs> so Excellent. yeah. So now I'm in this area already for 22 years. Like, you know, I am actually, you know, I like it more and more, <laughs> you know, and more, you know, so it's kind of, but it's, it's funny how it started. So Good. thank you, FDA. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Very nice. No one ever has a straightforward path. I love that. I love that question. How did you get into this industry? How did you end up studying what you studied? And very few, I think I've met maybe two people who were like, I had the intention of going into UV water treatment from day one. And I'm like, what? That doesn't happen. No one has. We were hoping your answer would be, you know, when you were four years old, that you had always imagined you want to be in the UV industry, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I saw myself in the, like, you know, in the, in the lab uh, coat, you know, doing the experiments. <laughs> this is how I saw myself. But food and UV, all this, it's just, you know. <laughs> all right. Well, so, okay. So you've been doing this for, for 23 years. Yes. You know, kind of started by just like a happy accident. And so, over those years, what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in general? And then what do you see really right now as the next hurdle or the next break in the technology when it comes to food? Okay, you know, when I started working in this area, you know, there was just very little, you know, <laughs> research, you know, and very little, you know, uh, <laughs> about this, how it applied to, you know, to foods and beverage and so on. And a lot of knowledge in UV and UV treatment of water. So, <laughs> you know, so how to measure, you know, what is the dose and so on. So we started learning, you know, we started learning. And then we found, okay, you know, this is, there is a big difference, you know, between food and, uh, you know, and water treatment and air treatment. Yes, it's a huge, inter uh, big, big uh, difference because, in water treatment, uh, you know, despite of like, you know, this um, UV transparency, you know, in water treatment, there is no issue of quality. There is no issue of shelf life. There is no issue of uh, nutrients, you know, there is no mm. uh, issue of sensory acceptance, you know, all these issues and you know, completely new, you know, for UV application in food and beverage, they are completely new. So, and, uh, you know, so we had to address, okay, uh, what is the optimal dose um, uh, for 
any food or beverage treatment that will kill your uh, pathogenic organisms. Yes, so it's a product is safe. Then it will last and it will stay like uh, you know uh, safe for a longer time. Like you know because uh, Canada, US, a huge country from coast to coast. You know, so they are transporting uh, juices like you know from uh, east to west. So the shelf life is a second issue. And then, okay, you know, this, uh, what the consumer wants, they want this product to be like, you know, like fresh, yes, like, you know, that it was made yesterday, <laughs> you know, it smells good, it feels good, you know, it looks good, appearance, all this, you know, so, and this is the biggest challenge, so, so how to make all this, you know, and, and also the industry, you know, the industry and startups, they, they want all this, you know, when they're making this cold press juice and so on, they want all this and they want all this to be cheap, you know, so, right. so, yep. <laughs> so okay, so an energy efficient and so on, and now we are talking, okay, that it should be also sustainable, you know, <laughs> so, Yes, and uh, we want to apply it to different products and the range of products. It's very, very, uh, you know, broad. And also we are talking about application of the technology. And I like it actually, you know, from the field, you know, from the every food, you know, uh, you know, from the harvest to refrigerator. So, you know, along the whole food production chain, you know, before, and uh, the way I see it before, like, you know, the temperature was the main factor that actually, you know, was controlled. Yes, the temperature, you know, we are using refrigerated temperature, we are um, using, you know, um, uh, you know, the frozen products. And now I think, you know, the light, you know, this is also a very important factor that affects all this, you know, uh, um, you know, growth of microorganisms. So I think it can become like, you know, second very important factor in this whole production chain. And, and you know, and this is actually the idea to use it light, you know, from field to kitchen, you know, to refrigerator, you know, now we have LEDs in the refrigerators. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Regar regarding, um, so like safety, is one aspect of what yes. you focus on, but also one that I was thinking about and in looking into your research is another major factor these days is spoilage. You know, you right. can put all the effort into growing a crop, but if it doesn't make its way to market and it's consumed, uh, you, you're wasting money and energy. And that's becoming more and more of a, a factor in our environment, in our world these days. Um, with that being said, with all the different types of uh, pathogens that you, you have uh, done research on, what's what is the biggest contaminant of concern that you see? Is it a spoilage-based one? Is it a safety-based one? Um, what, what pathogens are, are of most interest and are maybe, uh, for lack of better words, the, the lower hanging fruit for us to try to tackle first? Um, you know, um, yes. Uh, you know, like I said, this is a complexity of a food tr uh, treatment with UV. You have, yes, on one side, you have, a, uh, you, you want that your product would be safe and you need to, address, uh, you know, this um, very often five law reduction of uh, regulatory, like, you know, agencies to reduce, for example, in juices to reduce uh, the pathogenic organisms, such E. coli, pathogenic E. coli, salmonella, and listeria, you know? So you mm -hmm. need to reduce, uh, you know, almost to, we don't have a zero uh, level, but, you know, to very low levels or like, you know, of risk. Yes, this is uh, risk mitigation. 
So this is what we are doing with the pathogenic organism. At the same time, we want, uh, and this is like uh, safety uh, requirements for regulatory agencies, but for companies, for, uh, for um, consumers, the economic spoilage, this is number one issue, right? They want their product, you know, to, uh, to last long. And in order for juice, let's say, you know, there are a few factors in the composition of um, product itself, like pH and, you know, some uh, other components that actually, you know, that they fuck this shelf life. And at this pH, there are certain organisms that still can grow, like yeast and molds. And they are the most difficult ones, you know? But we don't need uh, to reduce these uh, organisms, uh, like, you know, for phylogs, similar to pathogens, but we at least, you know, we want to reduce the content and the uh, product lasts uh, longer. Then, you know, the other aspect that is actually, you know, is also very important is enzymes. You know, the enzymes that mm -hmm. also, you know, can, uh, you know, they change, can change the composition and also can uh, actually, you know, um, affect the shelf life. Uh, and this is orange juice, it's a PMO, uh, PME, sorry, enzyme that actually, you know, that causes the separation of the juices and the juice, you know, the juice, uh, orange juice, you know, will be separated. So it won't look so nice. So, yeah, so we are looking at, uh, you know, at reduction and an activation of all these, um, you know, pathogenic organisms that can cause disease. The organism like yeast molds and lactobacillus, you know, they can sp cause spoilage and enzymes. So all this, you know, can cause the effect of the shelf life, you know, the microbiological and chemical, both. Yeah. Cool. So, Very interesting point there. Now we understand I, the complexity. <laughs> actually, you, you, raise, <laughs> you raise a very interesting question in my mind as you, you're giving your answer to that. Um, so for spoilage, it's, you, you mentioned uh, the log reduction kind of approach isn't so is, isn't so intense. Um, oh. what, what's, a, what's a good baseline? A half log, a log? What, what really gives you a good a extension of shelf life? Yes. You know, this is uh, always a question, you know, uh, it depends, like, uh, you know, less than log, uh, one log deduction doesn't have any sense, you know, first of no. all, it's very difficult to, you know, to count, you know, so, mm. and typically it depends very much on the, you know, of initial microflora of, uh, of initial presence of this organism in your product. Sometimes, you know, you are using, you know, uh, ingredients that are very contaminated and then that you have very high levels and you know after like you know two log reduction the level still high but when you're starting you know these low levels and you can like these two three logs you know you are getting you know to the levels like you yeah. know in the thousands that you know that won't grow so fast and the product will last longer so this is a you know this is a very important uh, factor you know initial concentration but typically uh, this is called economical spoilage so in this low reduction, you know, the manufacturer, you know, they will establish themselves. You know, they know, okay, what is this is our initial levels, you know, and we would like to have this one that with this levels it will last, you know, uh, you know, let's say one month. Then, you know, then they try to, you know, to achieve, you know, this uh, two or three low reductions. But the thing is like, you know, the dose that we are using for like, you know, for five log reduction for pathogens, you know, you know, typically uh, they can um, reduce uh, spoiled sugars for two or three, uh, you know, log reduction because they're more resistant. 
you know. So this is what we are continuing. We are we are we are looking at this as you know. I'm a process engineer. I'm engineer. So we are looking at the design, the design, the process. Okay, to reach, achieve, you know, you have a you know a dose for one log reduction of this organism of concern, and this is for one log reduction. And then okay, this is the doses that you need to deliver in order to achieve. You know this kind of uh, objective. You know your uh, safety objective, your shelf life objective, your mm. uh, quality objective, and then you kind of you know uh, optimizing. Yeah. Your, Great. you know, I don't know if I'm clear or not. No, no, it makes it sounds like um, for spoilage, uh, a good target is two to three log, but, but right. for, for for food safety, five log is is, is kind of a gold standard. Yes, it's 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 it's, it's and and when you ask, don't ask me why. Because, like you know, no, you know, it's, it's there is no answer why, you know. So because I ask like FDA, uh, you know, people, regulators, why five, you know, it's like I don't know, you know, it's <laughs> there is no, it's 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 just just to be safe enough. I don't know, you know. So the, I, I I don't know the you know the. Uh, accurate. Uh, I don't have an accurate uh, answer for this question, and I asked it many times, and I didn't receive it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's because the rules are the rules. That's their answer. The rules right? is the rule. This is it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But why? Well, we don't answer that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, Molly. All right. So. Okay, so now we, we do have at least some rules to go off of. Um, so where where is UV being used in food industry right? Now, are are there any widespread applications? Uh, you know, there is a widespread interest. <laughs> I can say for sure. <laughs> but uh, applications, uh, you know, there, uh, there are some applications, but uh, not uh, widespread applications. Uh, the one application that I'm aware of is uh, treatment of uh, corporate juices or beverages to uh, Achieve this five log reduction in, in extent shelf life. You know this is where uh, you know that it's used. Then I know that it's used um, in uh, like um, in some products if it's high proteins content and where heat can damage proteins, right. like you know plasma. You know blood plasma products, things like that. You know or protein based products. Yes, or ingredients. You know, these are also, you know, applications. But I think, you know, the most widespread application is a sugar solutions, you know, for these beverages. Uh, mm -hmm. Sugar, you know. And I never, I don't know, you know, what is a regulatory base for these applications. But if, you know, there are a lot of applications of UV for sucrose, fructose, you know, uh, treatment and so on. Again, you know, for shelf life, uh, uh, you know, uh, extension and uh, to have, and it's used as an ingredient when it's added to Coke or, you know, Pepsi and it's, and it's less contaminated. And it's, of course, you know, it, whatever is left, you know, won't survive, uh, you know, for the long time. So yeah, this is like, you know, uh, I think that's like, you know, um, this is used for decades already, you know, for these applications. Uh, and because of this sugar solutions are quite transparent, for UV, but they're very, very viscous, thick, yes, you know, so, but uh, I think this is like, you know, the most spread applications in um, the industry, you know, 
So yeah, then for water treatment, for water treatment as an ingredient in um, dairy industry, you know, and also as a water, um, when water, uh, when UV, uh, when water is used as ingredients, you know, for the beverages and other applications and so on. So yes, it's it's also you know used um, for processed water applications and of course you know for food facilities, you know, for food facilities itself. I, you know, I um, know about the application of pulse light, you know, to clean the rubber boots in the food facility. Right, yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> this is kind of interesting, <laughs> you know, because, you know, if you treat your boots with a uh, light, you know, so the transmission of, uh, you know, of any microphone on the boots, you know, will be reduced. Yes. So I'm like, you know, I'm not using the word eliminated and so I'm just like, you know, reduced, you know, so trying to be conservative on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, a quick follow up to that. So I have yeah. seen on uh, apple cider uh, right. in the, that it was UV pasteurized. Is there a difference between it? When is it considered pasteurization versus just a UV treatment? Um, yes, when you have, uh, you know, the juice is considered uh, pasteurized, can be considered pasteurized when the validation, uh, the validation study confirmed that uh, the most, uh, that the reduction, the five log reduction is achieved and demonstrated for mm -hmm. the most resistant pathogen of pension. And this can be listeria, this can be E. coli 01157 or salmonella. Typically, uh, very often it's cocktail of this. So when the company, uh, you know, uh, demonstrates, is able to demonstrate this, you know, uh, five log reduction, then they can consider, then they can put it as pasteurized for, for apple sizes. And actually, yes, this is like, you know, in the Eastern uh, US, yes, in Canada, you know, UV for uh, apple cider is, uh, yes, is used also, you know, very broadly, yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. What, what would you say right now would be the phase of the, of the integration and diffusion of used technology and, and food and beverage? Is it kind of early, is it middle, is it late stage in, in your opinion? Ah. Uh, I think it's like, you know, I, I think it's like, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's somewhere average, you know? Yeah. From the middle? So mid, yeah, midway? Yeah, middle, yeah, yeah. So there, there are some applications out there that are being used, you know, uh, these days, but there are other applications that really haven't been, been broached yet or haven't been really been touched yet, right? Yes, you know, like like I said, you know, the sucrose, uh, you know, and sucrose fructose, all just like, you know, they are, you know, I think there are a lot of applications or apple cider or water, like, yep. you know, and like, you know, in dairy industry, but some applications, like, you know, they are like in the very beginning, you know, despite all this, like, you know, advantages and so on. And then I think the reason for this, because like, you know, there is very limited uh, number of players, you know, of companies and because of uh, food applications, you know, uh, you know, they're very different and, you know, this uh, capacity requirements are very different. So, you know, the one, one machine, you know, can just like, you know, uh, you know, meet all the requirements. Right. Actually, that was a great, great response because my, my next question was going to be, um, what, what, what are the barriers of entry? And so it sounds like from what you're saying is the lack of um, OEMs in the market supplying uh, uh, equipment for applications and 
the diversity of treating apples versus grapes versus pears versus right. apricots versus orange, dried fruits, fresh fruits, vegetables, right? Yeah, makes sense. And actually, you mentioned some good points there. Uh, I know that our company, we, we've worked with companies that do uh, the headspace, the air airspace in a liquid sugar tank that can get very... Um, I think a big factor is yeast, uh, yeast developing yes. there and actually starting to ferment the sugar by accident. You don't want that. You don't want alcohol entering your your, your Pepsi bottling plant or Coca-Cola bottling plant, right? Exactly. Um, unless you're into that kind of thing, you know, um, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. sense. Yes. And yes. So, uh, yeah. So you put it like, you know, one more factor that you uh, just want to add. This is, uh, you know, uh, you know, from my, uh, you know, experience, I see that the doses that are needed, like, you know, in um, for your applications for food and beverages are higher, like, you know, to mm. treat, uh, you know, than for water, let's put it this way. Yes. And they had to be delivered, you know, for the high capacity equipment. And sometimes, you know, uh, it's uh, like, you know, you cannot achieve this, you know, in, uh, you know, for, you know, for the capacities that are needed. And, you know, right. and uh, like, you know, we were like the example, the last example, you know, um, you know, we were working with corn and corn is a product that actually, you know, can be contaminated with, uh, with the molds, with fusarium, and also that produce this mycotoxins and that huge volumes of corn, you know, so to delay the growth of uh, molds and to reduce the uh, uh, contamination by mycotoxins, we know we use UV. But for this, you know, we need to have like, you know, very powerful lab that will deliver this high dose at very short period of time, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. that's why, you know, we are using, you know, and sometimes we just cannot use, you know, uh, like, you know, low pressure mercury lamp because it's like, you know, continuous and it requires like a long time to, to you know, to deliver the dose. But pulse, you know, pulse treatment, yes, it can do it. But the efficacy of pulse is much, uh, you know, lamp is much lower compared to, to give it. So, yeah. So, just so, so we're looking saying, at different sources. Yes. Right. You know? So, so being able to scale up is a challenge as well. A, a exactly. higher volume, a higher volume crop like corn or soybean or rice might be harder to disinfect because the, the sheer volume being treated is, is immense, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yes. Absolutely. You know, one so, interesting and, uh, side note what one interesting uh, application that I, I've been seeing become more prevalent with our company is uh, packaging. Actually, not not the actual produce itself, the harvest, but actually the packaging as being a source point for contamination. Can you comment on that exactly. at all? Exactly, absolutely. You know, uh, like and actually, you know, because the uh, the capacity of the line for sterilization of uh, packaging of the caps of uh, you know caps, all this like you know, uh, they can be very very high. Yes, so you know, and this again, you know. Typically, you know, the uh, risk, uh, you know, there is a risk of growing of spores on the surface of the of this uh, packaging, you know, so, and they're resistant. So, the, again, you know, so quite high uh, dose uh, has to be delivered, yes, through this, and in short period of time. So that's why, you know, pulse light, you know, are used for this, uh, you know, processes. And actually, it's a... Uh, yeah, these are food contact surfaces. Yes, we are talking about food contact surfaces. Packaging mm -hmm. is, an, is an example. And conveyor belts, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's also, you know, um, another example. So, um, and yeah, and uh, maybe we don't need to, like, you know, to deliver, to kill five logs, yes? Because there won't be, like, you know, millions of spores on the packaging. But yeah, but you still have to be able to deliver, you know, this high dose and very short period of time. And this is a challenge, you know, sometimes. 
So yeah. the, the big takeaway that I'm getting from, from our discussion is, of course, when you're treating water, there's multiple variables. But in the end, for the most part, when by the time it gets to the UV, you're dealing with one thing and it's water. That's right. When you're dealing with food, if you're dealing with juices, that's a very complex solution of, of different molecules and materials. You're gonna have sugars, you're gonna have fibers, you're gonna have different UVTs and everything's gonna react a little bit differently. Um, so what I'm also hearing is the, the fact that every single process is gonna have to be so optimized and it, you're almost, you almost have to start over every single time. And I, that, that I think, as far as, you know, talking about barriers, I would think that that has to be pretty big because you, you won't be able to copy and paste very often. No, 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 you, 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 you summarize it, right? You know, Molly, yes, you know, yes, absolutely. You know, so. To Molly's point um, brings up an interesting point because the absorption properties of certain compounds can, can vary, right? So have you, I, I know from having talked to you in the past, you're interested in polychromatic light sources. Can, can you kind of give us some information or some background on uh, LED options versus traditional lamp options versus even far UV, which is kind of a newer technology that in the IEVA we're, we're seeing more and more. Are you seeing certain wavelengths of interest are better for certain application types? And can you give us some examples? Oh yeah, you know, this is actually, you know, this is what we are trying, uh, you know, uh, to do right now. We are working at comparison, you know, different wavelengths, you know, and we are lucky enough to get that, um, you know, because of a, we are, we are with some funding where, you know, we can get some equipment, you know, some uh, unique equipment and different uh, wavelengths. And right now we have uh, 222, you know, uh, for UV uh, source. We have 253, yes, we have 265 LEDs, and we have uh, 275 and 280, yes, we have the whole range, yes, and we have eczema lamps, we have low pressure lamp, we have uh, LEDs at different wavelengths, and also we're working with a company in California, they are actually, you know, offer, uh, um, they are working at uh, pulse light, you know, with the copics in, uh, you know, in UVC range, not like, you know, the whole UV, you know, like you, the infrared and, but only UVC. So then we have uh, like, and they are comparing this, you know, with the one uh, in, in um, like uh, using the same uh, solution, using the same microorganism, you know, and we, we have this different wavelength. And this is amazing, you know, when you have like, you know, uh, looking at this, like, you know, different wavelengths and, you know, and this is a difference, you know, between these wavelengths, you know, 275 versus, uh, you know, 222. 222 is the most effect, uh, effective, but then we have like, you know, the pulse light when we are combining this four, then it's like you know, even better, you know? So this is like, you know, amazing, but, you know, uh, you know, I, we, we were talking with Molly, like, you know, that's one compound, you know, some compounds can absorb UV better, yes? Then, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, instead of going to, you know, a bottom of light, instead of killing microorganisms, they will be absorbed by this compound. And such compound is, you know, ascorbic acid, vitamin C, because it absorbs UV at around 250, 
So 224, this is the wavelengths that, you know, this, uh, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> some of the vitamin C, the absorption that's reduced, yes? So wow. what we did actually, yeah, this is, we did very interesting research and we are, you know, working at, you know, we're just, you know, submitting it. We compared um, 222 to, uh, two, uh, sorry, 225 and 275 in, uh, you know, in ascorbic acid solution, vitamin C. And it's appeared that actually, you know, uh, 255, it absorbs, you know, so much, you know, this vitamin C that it doesn't go through this solution. But 275, you know, was, uh, you know, the activation of a colloid 275 was much more effective. So we were, wow, you know, so and, and vitamin C is not destroyed. So this is where actually I see a huge benefit, you know, of UV for food application for, I think this is great, you know, when we try to avoid, you know, this pavement that can potentially destroy, you know, this, you know, com uh, component that actually, you know, the nutrients, yes, that we need it in our food, yeah. So, and this is just like, you know, it gives us a lot of flexibility. Today's episode is sponsored by Light Sources Incorporated, your global UVC lighting solutions partner. With over 38 years of lamp manufacturing experience, Light Sources is a key partner and supplier of germicidal UVC lamps to hundreds of OEMs globally. Whether your application is water, air, or surface disinfection focused, Light Sources Incorporated has the expertise to help make your design become a reality. To learn more about what Light Sources can do for your business, check out www.light-sources.com. So in the future, every application will not only have an optimized process, but a specific wavelength that makes the most sense as well. Oh, that's exciting. That's it's a lot exciting. This is very interesting. You know, it I is. loved it. You know, when we did it, like, you know, when we did uh, 255 uh, versus 275 in this, you know, ascorbic acid solution, and we, sh we were able, you know, to see this huge difference, you know? You know, and degradation, because we, we look at degradation of vitamin C and inactivation of a colloid. And we look at this, like, you mm -hmm. know, this two, <laughs> two right. lines and this is it's, Yeah. yeah. It's That's like awesome. for, for water applications or air applications, not always the case, but normally more UV the better. What's the risk? Yes. Just pump, pump more UV into the, in the system and, and all your problems go away. With food, it's, it's kind of a diminishing uh, yield there, you know, actually doing damage to the nutritional value of the of the juice or the, the food, right? And actually, exactly. uh, and maybe you can go into this, uh, again, a, a bit of a side topic, but I've heard kind of anecdotally that some meat products really don't do very well with UV treatment. They it can really ruin the flavor. Forget about the, the nutritional value of the food, but even just the aesthetics, the, the flavors of the food can be impacted by in meats. Can you give a little bit of insight into that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, especially, you know, the red meats, right? You know, 
they are kind of, you know, when you expose them to the high, uh, that's my dog, sorry, my dog is, I don't know, she says barking. So she's in a different room, but she says loud. So anyways, so yeah, you know, um, so when, um, you know, when you uh, apply, yes, you know, we want this, the surface of the meats, like, you know, to be uh, free from this, you know, organism, right? You know, organism and, when, um, you know, like let's say red meats, you know, will be exposed to the high UV dose, they are, you know, they, 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 their color, you know, changes, you know, that this, mm. like, you know, this appearance, like you said, you know, becomes not very, you know, attractive for the customers. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, the poultry, like, you know, chicken and turkey, yes, you know, it's like, you know, they, it's uh, like, you know, white, yes, poultry, you know, they, they're perfect for this, you know, they're perfect mm. for Interesting. Meat. And also uh, pork, yes, pork. It's okay. not like, you know, yeah. So the chemistry, you know, the product, you know, the composition and lipids content also, you know, smell because of the, you know, of the oxidation, lipid oxidation also, you know, can be not very, you know, uh, pleasant sometimes. So again, you know, so this is, but, you know, but again, you know, I'm talking, I'm thinking that probably, you know, uh, it's it works also to try, you know, different wavelengths. And to find the one mm -hmm. that won't cause us, like, you know, uh, you know, and um, the, the least, you know, this uh, oxidation. We didn't look at meats. We were looking like, you know, we were looking at like uh, only at um, juices and because, uh, you know, because of kind of, you know, the projects that they had. But uh, yes, but I think it's, uh, you know, this will be very interesting also to look at, you know, different wavelengths and how they can, change the appearance of different meats, you know, so it's, it's, it's also, you know, it's, it's a possibility. It's very interesting, you know. Um, you, you're saying that white meats such as pork um, and chicken and turkey are less susceptible to degradation of, of the aesthetics and the smell and the taste yes. as opposed to red meat. Color, interesting. This, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Very uh, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. So that sounds like there's only, you know, a few different billion applications that you could look um, for your area of study, but where do you see it going in the future? What are some projects you'd really like to work on? You know, uh, I think, you know, we are like, uh, <laughs> we are at the point where we have a project that I really like it. You know, uh, Dan, he actually, you know, his company that was supplying uh, different sources. And we finally, you know, got the UV conveyor, the unit, the conveyor unit where we can, uh, you know, use uh, um, different uh, UV sources. Like, you know, we have a pulse lamp, we have uh, LEDs, we have a medium pressure lamp, and we have low pressure lamp at one, like, you know, and one uh, one conveyor. So they're interchangeable, right? You know? So because when we are looking at different research, yes, you know, they, you know they're, they're all different, you know, system and so on. There is no comparison. You know, there is no comparison that's done, you know, this one product, this one system, and so on. And I think, you know, finally we are there, you know, it takes, it took us like, you know, whew, two years, so maybe this is now it's so already, but we are close, you know, so, and I'm excited about this, you know, because we have enough, like, you know, we have this batch systems and we have a pilot, uh, you know, system where we can use different sources. You know, I think this is interesting, you know, uh, to look at maybe, you know, if, you know, I see a lot of, inter you know, I see, that actually, you know, medium pressure lamps because of their, you know, they're much more powerful, you know, they can be, uh, you know, uh, 
very good source, light source for uh, light, uh, for food applications because of the energy, you know, and we can filter out, you know, maybe some uh, wavelengths that, you know, that can pose this, you know, uh, like, um, you know, undesirable changes of quality. Yeah. Let's put it this way. Yeah. So yeah. I think this is like, yes, we, we have these different sources. I think this is like, you know, this is, a, you know, the where we need to optimize, you know, uh, to open our mind. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. That's so yeah, cool. it's interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that you like it. <laughs> Tatiana, before you mentioned we're kind of in the, the, the mid-stage of the adoption of the technology, what, what's the next easy step? We talked about liquid sugar and juices already being treated today and, and some, some products may be way in the future. But what's the next progression in diffusion of technology? What's the, the next easiest step in your mind if only a company approached the problem? Um, you know, I think, you know, what we are, you know, with the kind of the industry is missing right now, it's, uh, you know, first of all, you know, uh, clearly, uh, you know, and uh, clearly outlined and uh, developed validation guidelines, you know? Mm. So, you know, <laughs> and uh, this kind of, you know, if, uh, you know, how to validate the system. And I know that like, you know, for very big players, if they will be like, you know, available uh, approaches to validate uh, the systems and to uh, easy demonst demonstrate that every time, you know, the system, you know, can deliver this level of reduction, you know, because we know what happens with lamps, yes, during their lifetime and so on. So if, you know, the industry in big place, again, you know, I'm repeating this, you know, would have this pool, you know, uh, easy validation. I think you know, the applications, you know, would grow very, very fast. You know, do you, do you feel there, or do you see that, uh, or sense that these end users, the, these farmers, and these companies that process the foods that we consume, are they are they satisfied with our current approaches? That makes it less uh, appealing to make take the risk of yes. going in that direction. And Absolutely, you know, they're facing they're facing so many challenges right now. You know. You know, they need, uh, you know, they, uh, I, I know the company, you know, the great company that in California, they're building, you know, the trailer, you know, that uh, to, for, to transportation of, uh, you know, fresh produce from the fields. And they want to use UV for the cleaning, yes? And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, they're facing so many challenges, you know, in validation, mm -hmm. you know, um, that to, to demonstrate that this UV is effective against, you know, this uh, microflora in this space. Yes, and this mm -hmm. in the air and the surfaces everywhere. So it's kind of, you know, it's a, it makes, um, you know, uh, the absence of this kind of, you know, guidelines, you know, this uh, validation instruction, you know, and how to do this, you know, I think this is a, you know, it's it's a big obstacle right now, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, and then, and the same, you know, with, um, you know, we're working with, um, you know, Canadian regulations, uh, you know, real group, we know there are a lot of different uh, devices on the market right now that can be used successfully, you know, for different, you know, uh, you know, different, during pandemics and food plants everywhere. But, you know, for the approval of the devices, you know, there is no data, you know, that to demonstrate, uh, you know, how uh, efficient mm. this uh, this device is, you know. So, and I think this holds the market, you know, the development very much. Like, and um, like, and also, you know, I'm also thinking, uh, 
when they are comparing like, you know, efficacy of the treatment, like, you know, uh, versus uh, air versus uh, surface and versus water and versus juice, it's all different, right? right. Yeah, it's hard for a company to embrace a process and a design to a standard that doesn't exist yet. That's right, that's yeah. right. And to go. use the data, yes, the data. Like, okay, I will be treating this like, you know, surface, you know, with this kind of parameters or whatever, you know, air, like, yes, with this humidity and with this temperature and so on, right? You know, and I'm using this number of, you know, whatever, you know, the resistance, you know, of UV resistance of this organism, you know, then it's, it just doesn't exist. You know, I think a lot of, uh, one major difference with, surface applications or especially food-based surface applications is that for water industry, there's a lot of interest and a lot of academic research put into it for years before any company has really spun out and created their own products. And it's kind of becoming the case now for air applications with, with COVID being a big, a big uh, scare in the last few years, uh, uh, air particulates being an, uh, uh, an application of interest, there's research money behind that now. I really wonder if, if for food safety, food security, um, spoilage for that matter, if, if money coming through academia or even quasi-public institutions, kind of like the ones that you work with in Canada, are, are need to kind of be the frontier pioneers of technology before corporations get involved. Do you agree with that or disagree with yes. that? Yes, absolutely. You know, you're, you're right there. You know, yes, you know, so, um, you know, uh, there are programs, you know, there are programs that support, you know, uh, you know, innovation, including UV. And, you know, I was uh, reviewing a lot of application and I was amazed actually, you know, by creativity, yes, about these companies, you know, how uh, different applications, you know, uh, designs and, you know, and uh, like LEDs. But yes, there is not enough knowledge behind this application. And, mm -hmm. you know, organizations like ours, you know, ideally, you know, should provide this kind of, you know, uh, uh knowledge for them yes you know how to do this you know this is like you know this is how this is how to determine your efficacy this is how to conduct the validation this is how to you know to get your unit approved yes and it's safe and uh yeah so it's uh but it's a it's a good thing that there is like you know a huge growth yes you know different devices <laughs> market and that's very interesting actually it's very interesting and, uh, but you know, this like, you know, new sources, LEDs, eczema lamps, right? You know, the pulse lamps, you know, they're all different. Efficacy is different, you know, the wavelength is different. So this action spectrum of, uh, you know, <laughs> is different. <laughs> so, we need to know more. We need to learn more. <laughs> yes, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's it. and also, what uh, you know, we, were talk we are talking mainly about like, you know, microbiological efficacy. But um, similar to water treatment, you know, UV is efficient against chemical, yes, com compounds, you know, mycotoxins, the big one, mm -hmm. yes, you know, pesticides, yes, you know. Right, right, right. true. Yeah, it, it's actually kind of funny you mentioned that because I feel like um, in the water industry for a long time, it was biologicals, biologicals, biologicals. Yes. Okay, that's been addressed for the most part. Now yeah. let's talk about chemical chemical contaminants, you know, it's the next progression in in, in uh, true purity of a uh, source of water or food, right? That's right. It's right. You know, and um, and and uh, I think you know um, what I also like. You know, uh, uh, this um, 
you know, uh, possibility, uh, possibility of combining UV, like, you know, with uh, oxidizers, yes, you know, uh, advanced oxidi oxidation process, you know, this, uh, and other, you know, uh, combining this different wavelength, I think this is like, you know, can be used for this, uh, you know, chemical, whatever, you know, uh, you know, for this chemicals related applications, because they, they can be much more efficient, actually, you know, and yeah. So uh, there are ways, you know, how to address this too, yeah. Well, we've got a few more minutes here. And I, I think, Molly, one question I, I always have to ask, uh, and I'm, sorry, you, I'm sure you have one more question too, um, is, is for our, our young professionals. So we're, we're part of the Young Professionals Group and we have these events uh, called Ask Me Anything. And one question we always try to ask is, um, do you have any advice for someone who is a young professional or someone in academia just getting an industry any advice for uh their career or for their life in general <laughs> i have a um, you know very simple advice that they would have cope in our facility you know <laughs> because we have cope uh students opportunity in our facility we are hiring the students you know for eight months or like you know and they have always great experience you know with us you know they're learning so much you know and they kind of you know when somebody, you know, uh, in the stage of like, you know, searching, you know, and when they come to the lab and they have flexibility, you know, and they have, they can play with, you know, they, they know about the science, what science is, you know? So many of them, you know, they just stay there. And I'm so like, you know, I like it so much. And I like this, you know, uh, students, engineering students, you know, they're from nanotechnology from different areas, they come. And when they kind of, you know, start working in this area, and there are so many like issues, like, you know, the physics, yes, you know, there's microbiology, there's the chemistry, you know, there are a lot of engineering, uh, of course, science experiments, you know. Mm -hmm. So eight months, you know, everybody like, you know, it, it changes their life, you know, completely, you know, with this, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of experience. A lot of different disciplines can, can really be involved. It, it is, quite the cross-section. Yes, absolutely. And I kind of like it, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is complex. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but this is uh, also interesting. Yeah. So this is, you know, so my advice, it would be like, you know, yeah, you know, to, uh, you know, food science, maybe it's not very prestigious, like, you know, food engineering, you know, profession. But I think, you know, when you start working on this, especially in science and research, I think it's a lot of opportunities. It's a, it's a very interesting area, you know, so. Right. <laughs> so Good. It is. Well, do you have any more uh, questions before we wrap up here? Uh, yes. So I just have one last one. Um, so, you know, if we have listeners that want to learn more about your research, where do they go? And I'm, I'm right. I believe that you've written a book as well. Oh, I have quite a few, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have quite a few because during pandemics, you know, yeah, during pandemics, you know, uh, like, you know, you want to be like, you know, mentally healthy. So it's, it's better to think about like, you know, something creative. So I wrote like, you know, second uh, edition of my UV light applications for uh, uh, food and beverages. So I, I made it like, you know, I wrote as a second edition. It's it's uh, it's uh, published now, and also, I uh, you know I um, 
put together a book on validation of new uh, processing technologies, you know? So during these two years, so at least, you know, there's some result, you know? Because I wanted like, you know, to have at least, you know, to start, you know, this conversation about validation, at least, you know, to have whatever is available, you know, to put it together. And then it will be like, you know, first step in this direction, because I, I can see this very important, you know, issue. Also, I have uh, like, you know, LEDs it's here. I have <laughs> it's my, yeah, my book. Yeah, this is UV. Yeah, book. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have no, a hard no big deal. validation book. Yeah, yeah. Here are the no books. Deal. I just have all the books that I've written. Oh, here's mine. <laughs> That's so, great. Yeah. We have to we have to do Molly, we have to do a like uh, a promotional thing for the podcast. We'll have a signed copy of one of your books. <laughs> and for every, everyone who likes and comments and shares on the podcast is in uh, the running to win a signed copy of one of uh, Dr. Kitchen's <laughs> books. Yes, I love yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I, I, I don't think that, you know, the, the interest to the book is uh, growing right now, but at least it's something that, you know, that <laughs> it's like, you know, one place, you know, this is a place where all this information, you know, is collected, you know? Very good. Yeah, because yeah. there's not a whole lot to go off of when you started. So you had to write the book yourself, which I, I love. That's awesome. You went and you... <laughs> So, yeah, because you know, like, you know, because yeah, it's, it's a lot of information, but how to navigate in this and, you know, in this sea of an ocean of information, you know, it's difficult, you know, it's really difficult. And, you know, I will break a little bit. I know that, you know, after, you know, we put together the first book on, uh, like, you know, on UV applications for food. I know that it was a, such a guideline, uh, you know, uh, line for some uh, people. And they started the companies, you know, based on this, uh, you know, information that they saw, especially, you know, for how to make a machine, you know, for, you know, for juices and for beverages and so on. I know that the company in Israel, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, the inventor, he told me, you know, I was always reading, you know, there, I was looking and this is how, wow. it, yeah. so yeah, so it's, it helps and I'm glad that it helps, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's sort of like um, Dr. Bolton and uh, and Cotton uh, have a UV, UV disinfection handbook about water applications. And I feel Absolutely. like having a having foundational knowledge that can be shared can really can really help innovation. Right. You, you have to have a yeah. a peer reviewed, uh, well-respected um, foundational understanding of a technology for companies that to be created out of that. Right. And maybe these books here that you've written are, are kind of that that well that the future company that's treating uh, E. coli and lettuce 20 years from now will be hopefully uh, using for their future uh, research and R&D efforts. Yeah, and I don't regret about my time, you know, during two years and during pandemic at home. So it's also the <laughs> <laughs> result. Very nice. I do something. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And this has, you know, continued the streak. So thank you so much. For <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. It's very, uh, thank you very much for your thoughtful uh, questions, you know, because they made me think even more, you know, <laughs> you know, every time when you're talking, you know, you kind of validate your thoughts, right? <laughs> you exactly. <know>? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone, that's it for today. Thank you all for joining in and learning from Dr. Tatiana Kuchma with us. If you wanna learn anything else about her work, 
honestly, Google her. She has written multiple books, read up on them. She's been published multiple times. A Google search is probably the easiest way to find everything about her and she's truly amazing. Highly recommend it. Uh, so that's the Wavelength Podcast. This comes to you from the IUVA or the International Ultraviolet Association. The show is produced by Donna Potsi and Sakita Nieru. Nathan Moore does our sound design and our music is by Justin Dossett and Stephanie Gora of the band Almost Lovers. I'm Molly McManus. I'm Dan Spicer. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this and I hope you come back for more. <laughs>